0: The following program is an original WWE podcast.
1: Coming up, the Royal Rumble is in the rearview mirror on the road to WrestleMania. We've got a legend that makes an improbable and highly emotional return. Chock full of surprises, jam-packed edition. Let's not waste any more time. This is After the Bell, and it starts now. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and we are now on the road to WrestleMania. Finally, the Royal Rumble kicks things off in a big way. A lot to get to, not a lot of time. And uh, let's be honest, after this weekend in Houston, I'm a little tired. My back is sore from carrying Michael Cole, Tom Phillips, and even that King guy. So I needed some help. So I reached out to my cohort from The Bump. You may know his face from WWE Network or many of WWE's digital platforms. Mr. Matt Camp. Matt, thank you for hanging out with me. Corey,
2: pleasure to be here. Best time of the year, no doubt about it. I love the run-up to the Royal Rumble. And now we're going to set sail to WrestleMania. Is that what we're doing?
1: I like that because of pirates and analogies.
2: Giant boat.
1: Cannonballs. There's a literal pirate ship in the stadium where WrestleMania will take place. So I think it's
2: very apropos. Someone needs to use that. I hope there's a cannon involved. I hope every pirate or anything that we have ever had shows up and comes back. Or Kairi Sane. Jean-Pierre Lafitte. uh, Paul Burchill. We're bringing them all back. Ah, good,
1: good. Deep cuts to start things off here on After the Bell. But let's not waste any more time. Massive weekend. Royal Rumble weekend. But I'm going to start the day before because I was in my hotel room watching. You, however, were physically present at Worlds Collide. What are your thoughts on this big night for NXT and NXT UK?
2: Yeah, I thought it was a a big night because you saw, maybe for some people who hadn't seen someone like Ilya Dragunov uh, in the opening contest against Finn Balor, really get a massive spotlight. And we all know Finn, he's a former Universal Champion, but see Ilya Dragunov out there and really get put out there in front of maybe the biggest audience he's ever been in front of was was pretty cool. Uh, Imperium and Undisputed Era felt like a dream match we'd all waited for, and we got that. Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley reigniting their rivalry. It was just a different kind of atmosphere, a different way to kick off the weekend than what we're used to seeing. TakeOver, obviously, going to be in Portland in a few weeks uh, on their own, which is really cool. So the atmosphere was cool, and uh, I think a lot of new people got to see some NXT UK superstars maybe they weren't that familiar with. I completely agree with you. I think the entire WWE universe
1: needs to get much more familiar with all of Imperium, but in particular, Walter
2: I gush about him week after week on this show. One of my favorites. And uh, we saw him a little bit at Survivor Series. Maybe wanted to see more of him. I think he's talked about that as well. But he was standing tall at the end. And I don't know if anybody, any group, any whatever entity is hotter right now in all of WWE than Undisputed Era. And they lost. And they lost on a night where Alexander Wolfe got knocked out of that match. So Imperium was down 3-4 to for most of that match. And they come out on top, which I feel like with the run Adam Cole went on uh, leading up to Survivor Series and ever since then as the NXT champion, for then Walter and Imperium to be standing tall, you would think you go, oh, I need to know who these guys are and I got to go follow them around wherever they may be, whether that be, you know, the Dusty Classic or NXT UK or wherever Walter may show up. Right, right. So I guess
1: the point here is if you are a subscriber to WWE Network, which you likely are. If you're listening to this, you definitely checked out the Royal Rumble itself. If you didn't see it Saturday when it happened, check out Worlds Collide on WWE Network. Lots of delicious action for you to enjoy. But now, what the world is talking about, Matt Camp, one man in particular, and I am totally the type of person to say I told you so, and I told you all so right here on this platform from which I pontificate weekly that Drew McIntyre would win the men's Royal Rumble match. And
2: it happened, Matt. It was beautiful, wasn't it? Because I, w- I was with everybody else. I picked Roman Reigns. A lot of people pick Roman Reigns. People pick Brock Lesnar. When you see Drew McIntyre win, I-, I think back to 1995 and Shawn Michaels winning the Royal Rumble and what that launched him onto. And I feel like you guys talked about this last week. We were getting there with Drew, and then it didn't happen. Then he was all gone. And then he worked his way back here and came through Evolve and – I think people thought when he came back right away, oh, it's going to happen again, and it didn't quite happen, and I don't know if everybody was completely on board with Drew's going to win. I don't think people were going, he's absolutely a favorite. We've seen him on a roll in recent weeks, but when he won, it felt like, oh, we got somebody there now. We have a brand new, massive superstar here in WWE. I
1: feel like since Drew's come back to WWE, he's perpetually been on the cusp of being that guy, but... You learn from the results. And it's been what a year since he's even won on pay-per-view. So understandably a lot of people have their doubts. Is McIntyre gonna be the guy? Is he gonna head to WrestleMania? Is Drew ready for that spot? If you ask Drew, He's been ready for that since he walked back in the door.
2: We had him on one of the first couple episodes on The Bump, and he said, I don't like to talk. I don't like to be out there on social media. If you read his Twitter, there'll be days between his tweets, which is not a bad thing coming from him. And I should take notes uh, on that. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it, so you, you treat social media in different ways. He's just said, if I have something to say, I want it to mean something. And he said, I'm going to get back there, and he thinks about pro wrestling all the time. But like you said, it's results-oriented. You want to believe that – okay, yes, this guy can go on, and I do believe he can become champion, and he eliminates Brock Lesnar from the Royal Rumble. So you go, right there, when I saw that happen, regardless of what happened for the rest of the match, if he didn't win the Royal Rumble, he I would have left. He could have eliminated himself. He did it. Yes. He, he, I, I think we all kind of thought, because we didn't know what was going to happen with Brock, the title was not on the line. Whoever, if anybody, was going to eliminate him there's your chance. Right. Almost like that was, a, that was a,
1: a side story that didn't even matter who won the Royal Rumble match. Whoever took Brock out, if someone was going to take
2: Brock out, that was going to be your match. I thought that was almost two stories, right? We kind of had the first half of the Rumble... Brock goes away because of Drew eliminating him. And then it's, all right, somebody's going to get rid of Drew and someone else will win and we'll set up maybe the other title match, maybe the universal title. And instead, I thought it meant that much more for Drew to eliminate Brock after he goes on that massive run, sets the new traditional record of 13 eliminations, and then he wins the whole thing. That puts him on that much higher of a pedestal to me. Completely, completely agree with you.
1: In my opinion, this was one of the more exciting Royal Rumble matches in recent history. I mean, you mentioned the front half, so to speak, of Brock Lesnar dominating and destroying everyone. Enter Drew McIntyre. But we would be remiss if we weren't talking about the other guy that has the entire WWE Universe buzzing. The shocking
2: return of WWE Hall of Famer Edge. But doesn't it say something to how big Drew's victory was that it took us that long to even get to that? Exactly. Because Edge coming back, and I think people expected, when he came back and made his return 10 years ago from a torn Achilles after like five months, he won the Royal Rumble. When he came in, I went, all right, Edge is going to win the Royal Rumble. (laughs) And you saw the look on his face, which I think we all felt, right? There's that, that look of, that's why we watched this. There was a feeling of he's back. I've said this to people. When he retired, he was the one guy I said I remember every single part of his career. I grew up with right. Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and, and guys like that and Roddy Piper, but I don't remember their entire careers because I was too. I remember Ed showing up through the crowd and you know tagging with different people and being in the Brood and being in the Ministry for like a second. I, I remember every part of his career. So when he retired, I went, oh, I was here for all that. So to see him come back and that look on his face, he went. That's our guy. And it was totally shocking. It was out of left field when Edge retired, when he was forced to walk away. But
1: I agree with you completely. And if you, you listen to the commentary when it happened, the music hits, the stadium about exploded. Once Michael Cole got out who he was, it was about just letting the moment be. And we don't say a word for a while because you could feel it. And there was nothing that we could have said that would have added to that. The look on Adam's face was as genuine, and you know how much he loves this business as we all do, but it was as real as anything you will see on your television, on any channel, on any broadcast. That was raw human
2: emotion at its finest. You can't replicate that. You can't say, go out there and make this face, or I'm gonna go out there and do this. That is something you feel. I've never got to feel that. I've never got to walk down that aisle, especially in a moment like that. That's a different sound in that building, 40 plus thousand fans going, oh my God, that's our guy, and he's back. Now he's gonna win. And he didn't win. And yet, I don't think it took away from the Rumble whatsoever. No doubt. I think it added to it. But what really
1: stood out to me, we were talking before the show here. So the last few moments of the Royal Rumble involving Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Edge, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, it really took the entire audience for a ride. It could have gone any number of ways. We thought Edge might have been the guy. At this point, Drew McIntyre's still hanging on. But to your point earlier, it's almost like, oh, well, Drew did his thing. He's he's going to be out of here. He's soon.
2: got us and we had four former winners. I think a lot of people said it made sense, Roman's full comeback story and how great that was. W- what's next for him? He's won it before, he's lost it before, and he's been in the final 2, final 4 multiple times. Certainly a story for Randy. Seth won it last year. He's got backing now. A Rollins different, is red hot as a villain, and on a Monday different nights. version of Seth, right? Yep. Than last year when he was the people's guy. At that time, he was. He came in at ten. He came in at thirty this year. Oh, of course. Look at him. He's going to backhand his way in. He get help, knocking people out, bringing them back in. But Drew was the one guy who hadn't won. So I thought it added to that much more. He had already eliminated Brock. He's then got to outlast four former Rumble winners. Including Edge, who has got everybody behind him, so it added that much more. But at the same time, it wasn't like people were mad that Drew won, even though Edge got knocked out.
1: Right. Well, the the, the roller coaster of emotions was
2: such that when
1: Roman tossed Edge, I think everybody was it was it Roman. That, yeah,
2: they, they were teetering on the outside, and it was oh oh oh. oh right, there, and, okay, I get that.
1: And Roman but, outlasted Edge, and I think everyone in that stadium went, "Damn it." It's going to happen again, and I think everyone, for the moment, not due to no fault of his own, just the circumstance, people weren't real happy that Roman might be that guy. And then when Roman went bye bye, that stadium was
2: rocking. You just took taking Drew up to different levels, and now you've put him in that level. So when he challenged Brock on Raw, you went, "Well, of course he did." But you also went, "He could do this. I believe he could do this. I'm in on this." And now we get, you know, sixty plus days to take that ride with him that started uh, in Houston on Sunday night. No
1: doubt about it. And I I love the moment toward the end with Randy Orton and Edge, which we'll talk about a little bit later with Monday Night Raw, where that all went to be. But the Royal Rumble, just like WrestleMania, is all about moments. You may not remember every competitor, but you remember Kofi Kingston and the way he never gets eliminated. And uh, this year in in the women's Royal Rumble match, Naomi, who spent a significant amount of time on our commentary tables, so, to transition, because the WWE Universe is buzzing, about the Queen Charlotte Flair and all things women's Royal Rumble match,
2: what were you thinking? How are you feeling? Bianca Belair came out as the star. He said moments about that. We had Shawn Michaels on the bump last week saying, you don't always remember the winners, you remember the moments of the Royal Rumble. And big for Charlotte, she made it to the final two last year. Becky put her out. We know what Becky did at WrestleMania. but. To me, Bianca Belair took advantage of every single second she was in that Royal Rumble from her entrance to making her own gear. Uh, We know she's going to be facing Rhea Ripley at NXT TakeOver Portland. Just won a battle royal, and then she makes a big run here, and I'm going... Yeah, I can totally see this happen, and I'm on board. Another person who gets a massive spotlight put on her and took advantage of every opportunity. I know it was Charlotte's night, and she was the one left standing tall at the end. I thought Bianca Belair made the biggest impact. I agree with you 100%. I think from the moment she stepped out onto that field, the eyes of the
1: WWE universe were looking, and, and you're right. She capitalized and really made a believer out of – I've seen Bianca Belair, what sure. she's capable of, but to be front and center, mixing it up with – your Charlotte Flares and Alexa Blisses and all these massive stars within the industry, she took
2: an opportunity and hit a home run. And we saw her Survivor Series week, but I felt like that was more about Rhea, right? She she got the victory in that triple threat with uh, Sasha and with Charlotte. She went toe-to-toe with Becky. Uh, They won war games. Then her team, she was the one who was standing tall with her team uh, at Survivor Series. Bianca was involved in all that. This was Bianca's weekend to me from NXT as the top representative. And now she can ride that wave of momentum uh, maybe into the takeover, but maybe even more than that.
1: And it's crazy just how crowded with talent the NXT women's division is right now. So after Loaded. a night like that is of the of the utmost importance for Bianca Belair to step up. And, and who knows, you know, by the time WrestleMania comes around, maybe Bianca Belair is the NXT women's champion.
2: Stranger things have happened. Hey, Rhea Ripley was in the Royal Rumble last year. Look where she's standing right now. You're absolutely right.
1: Uh, elsewhere in the women's Royal Rumble match, stands out to me in a big way for a very
2: different reason. Otis. Otis was the savior of the women's Royal Rumble match, for the moment at least. We have those moments, and and you think of the Kofi great eliminations or near eliminations, and he talked about that on his podcast, the New Day pod, and uh, I thought of that, and I was excited to see and everybody reacted very uh, positively to that, as they have with this entire, I think, story that's ongoing. But I want to go back to the men's for a second, if I could. There's clear excitement and um, fan backing and everyone's behind Otis. I wanted to see him come out at number two. I wanted to see him and Brock Lesnar open up that men's Royal Rumble because I think we know of Otis as the lovable, fun guy on the shows, but he's a massive human being. He has a amateur wrestling background. We don't always get to see that. I feel like it would have been pretty believable, and if you want to galvanize uh, a fan base, Otis and Brock Lesnar would have been a fun way to start that Men's Royal Rumble. Don't think I could disagree with you,
1: and you're right. I think Otis doesn't get necessarily the credit that he uh, deserves for his real-life accolades, uh, but he's such a character and so entertaining and, and definitely made for a, a interesting moment in the Women's Royal Rumble match, saving Mandy Rose. But Failing to save both
2: Mandy and Sonya later on. I feel like that may come down uh, the line at some point. Sonya's going to get upset with this at some point. But for now, I love the love story that may have been reignited on on the bump. We had Otis meet Mandy's father, by the way, on that show via video form, which was interesting. He runs a deli, which feels like it's right up Otis's alley. (laughs) True romance made in heaven. Uh, Someone else who had a big night
1: In the Women's Royal Rumble match, good friend of mine, longtime friend, WWE Hall of Famer, Beth Phoenix. So an active uh, NXT commentator. To that point, I'm going to stop you. You're absolutely right. She is one-third of the NXT commentary team. And up until about 4 o'clock on Sunday, I was under the understanding that uh, Beth was going to be calling the Women's Royal Rumble match with me. So I went up to her in makeup, and I said, Hey, Beth, uh, I'm going to lean on you a little bit during this match, to give me some background on the NXT girls, that I'm not quite as familiar with sure. anymore. And she looked at me, and because she's one of the sweetest human beings on the planet, she, Earth, she goes, "Ah, oh, Corey, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm competing tonight." <laughs> and I went, "Oh, uh, cool. I wish someone had told me." And she goes, "No, I, I just found out. You know, I'm going to be in the match." And Whoa. so I, I immediately called Michael Cole, and I go. Cole, um, was someone going to tell me that Beth isn't calling this match with me? And he goes, "Uh, dude, I told you that last week. Which I'm sure he probably did, but my brain is useless most of the time. But it was only a week, so she had a week to know, oh, you're in. Yeah, and what a night it is for that family. Uh, You've got Edge returning, which is massive. And, oh, by the way... Beth happens to return and remind the entire women's division that she still might be the baddest chick in the business.
2: She's been so focused on her role on NXT, working there every Wednesday night, and the prep she's put in. Her and I have talked about that. And To then go, oh, you're in the Women's Royal Rumble, and then have a run. Not "Ah, That was a fun five minutes. I was in. I was like, Beth can win this thing. I'm all for that. Let's let this happen. It looked like she had never missed a step whatsoever. No, no doubt about
1: it. Not to mention the fact she gashed the back of her head open and then just kept fighting. For like a half hour.
2: Yeah, no big uh, deal. Unbelievable. So, her and Edge being in there, we, we were talking before this about husband and wife uh, combinations that have now been in. I think that's like the fourth different one. I think Rusev and Lana have been each been in a Rumble. Oost uh, and Naomi have been in. Johnny and Candace last year. So, that's like, such a cool thing, but for both of them to maybe have the standout performances of their own rumbles is also crazy and awesome for their daughters to be watching that. too. Right.
1: Beth put something out on Twitter. I believe it was. And it said, uh, Hey, got a babysitter Sunday night. What do you want to do? And there was just a photo of each of them at the, it was their date night. I think yeah, there Sunday,
2: <laughs> Sunday in Houston, having a date night each in the Royal rumble. Uh, and she'll, I guess be back on commentary, you know, going forward, which is amazing that you can go right back to that. Right,
1: so such, a, such an awesome person and a valuable asset to WWE. Unfortunately for the Edge family, uh, Monday night on Raw, things took a little turn for the worse. No cause for celebration as Raw went off the air with former team rated
2: RKO member Randy Orton obliterating Edge. I hate to say, like, I saw it coming, but I felt like I saw it coming because it's Randy Orton. And the voices in his head got reactivated or something because it seemed like, I don't think Randy's ever what someone you'd call a a good guy, but things can always change, and things change. Was he mad that Edge threw him out of the Royal Rumble, or is there more to this? It felt like there's got to be more. I loved the moment in the
1: Royal Rumble when Edge eliminated Randy because there was that moment where Randy had that smirk on his face. It was almost like a, Ah, man, you got me. It was a really cool moment. It felt just honest and then Monday night maybe it's the unpopular opinion but I know it's detrimental to Edge and his glorious return but this is the best Randy Orton
2: this is the one you want I don't want to see any smiling I don't want to see him helping people out I Never. want him on his own listening to whatever's in his head that's telling him what to do the concerto I don't know the last time we've seen that thing which made it that much more impactful and to do of course on edge but the neck was in the chair, and then it's like, no, I'm not going to do that, and then he went way worse than that. Yeah, it, it's
1: Randy Orton is absolutely next level when it comes to that. It's disturbing. It is hard to watch in a good
2: way. It, yeah, because it made for a shock moment of, okay, now what with Edge? We we know what he came back from. He detailed all of that. Now do you, what happens next with Edge? We're so excited to see him, and I don't know when we're going to see him again. Are we going to see I don't know.
1: It all remains to be seen. Time will tell. Uh, However, I mean, let's be perfectly
2: honest, Matt. It's WrestleMania season. We're getting there. We're less than uh, 70 days away. Um, If you told me Edge and Randy Orton are meeting in Tampa, sign me up right now. Uh, I'm all in for that, and I think Edge now has a little bit of uh, extra motivation on top of everything else. I might request a trade
1: to Monday Night Raw for like that week so I could call that one if it goes down.
2: Does that happen often? You see like, oh, I wish I was over there.
1: No, uh, because I've been on everything for the best part true. of the last three years. So now, yes, it does happen occasionally where I'm like, oh, man, I, I miss calling Samoa Joe matches. Especially this time of season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one match I was lucky enough to call back at Royal Rumble was the Universal Championship match between The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and Daniel Bryan, which I loved everything about. I have been on this podcast talking about the weeks leading up to it and how Daniel Bryan made believers out of so many and it really forced the hand of Bray Wyatt. And you saw a different side of the Fiend in the ring. He was in trouble. He was in danger. And it really forced the champion to step up, which is kind of a refreshing layer that we haven't seen necessarily in the past few
2: months. You can't take the guy down or Fiend or whatever you want to call him. I don't know what he is. I, I saw the rules and I went, if this has touched the four corners... Daniel Bryan's got a real good chance right. to win this. And when then I saw pinfall or submission, I went, okay, that's, I'm back on fiend here. I'm, I'm back to picking the fiend. Cause I'm not smart. I'm not dumb. Uh, I'm going to pick the guy that nobody's been able to take down. But to your point, there was a level of vulnerability, not a high one, but you could see you him go down. There were glimpses. I never thought he was going to tap. I thought the only way Daniel Bryan was going to win that match was to make the fiend literally pass out that he could not answer the I thought that was the only chance he had if he had wrapped that strap around I don't know what, what could have won but he took it as far as he could go and if somebody was going to do that I believed it was going to be Daniel Bryant but what's now next for him because his back looked like a different color he it got help like hamburger it meat. was it was pretty oh, gross. tough to watch And now who wants the fiend who's who's next what do you, where do you go there because Daniel Bryan gave him everything he could handle, and he was standing after 25 minutes. Hopefully, The Fiend is headed to Tampa at WrestleMania as champion,
1: because in my humble opinion right now, there isn't much cooler in WWE than being in person to witness The Fiend's entrance. It's awe-inspiring. It is just an aura. There's something special about it. It's sacrilege to compare anything to anything that The Undertaker has I mean, done in going, WWE. Yep. But it is as close to a physical feeling when The Fiend comes to the ring that there's this ominous being around, like
2: something bad's about to happen, but you can't look away. And the lights and the lasers. And I like that we don't see it often. It matters Agreed. that much more because if he shows up as the fiend, the lights go out, the sound, boom, And then he shows up. Or we see Funhouse Bray. When that music hits and he comes down with the lantern, it's, all right, this is a different it's time. It's about to go down. Well, Matt, I appreciate
1: you uh, lending me a hand in your voice this morning. Where can the ATB faithful
2: find the bump? They can find The Bump every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, WWE Network, on all social platforms. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitch. And, of course, you can watch it anytime you want on demand as well. Uh, it's a fun show. We kind of go nuts. You've been on it. We made you play a dating game of sorts. You survived. Which I'm still paying for. Sorry. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't my fault. Put that on uh, Volmeyer. But, uh, yeah, check us out there, and uh, thanks for having me on, Corey. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man, we'll do it again. Thanks. You got it.
1: It is Royal Rumble season and my next guest is responsible for one of the biggest moments in recent Rumble history several years back. She is a former Raw Women's Champion. Oh, and by the way, the baddest woman on the planet, Ronda Rousey. Ronda, how are you? Where the hell have you been?
3: Corey, I'm fantastic well on top of being the baddest woman on the planet I am also the most comfortable woman on the planet and I am in bed right now and I woke up before 10 today Just for you
1: so uh what have you been up to you've been absent from WWE since Wrestlemania last year I know you're a very busy woman but uh how's life
3: life is fantastic um I'm having a great time watching the girls kick ass and um I'm having a fantastic time being home too
1: so it's been two years since your debut at the Royal Rumble, almost a year since we've last seen you in a WWE ring. Uh, you've had some time to reflect on your run here in WWE. How do you feel about what it did for your career and the women's division as a whole?
3: Well, I, I came out to give the women as much momentum as possible, and you know I was able to do that, and they're taking it and running with it, and... They are doing better than ever, have more momentum than ever, and I love all of the new names that have really come up this year. I'm, like, obsessed with NXT. I love them so much right now. And, um, yeah, I mean, Shayna is kicking ass. She's the whole reason I think that me or any of the other four-horse women are in wrestling, you know? So it's it's really great to see her get all the success that she deserves, and she's just getting started.
1: I couldn't agree more. I had Shayna on the show a few few weeks ago, and she was absolutely awesome. I didn't realize what an interesting human being she was until I actually sat down and had some time to discuss uh, her past and, and her path to WWE. Uh, it was very, very interesting, and I have no doubt Shayna has massive things in store very, very soon. Uh, who else is on the Ronda Rousey radar?
3: Oh, my God, Rhea Ripley. She is doing amazing. Like, I... Um... I would love to have a match with her someday, you know, it's feel like she matches up with everybody so differently. And there's so many things that she could really pull out of people that they can't do with anybody else. So, um, I, I'd be, I'm really looking forward to seeing like if we ever get that opportunity, but, um, I, I'd love to get in the ring with her. She's fantastic.
1: Sign me up for right now. Rousey versus Ripley. So Charlotte Flair emerged victorious uh, this week from the women's Royal Rumble match, which means she has an opportunity to choose a champion and challenge her at WrestleMania. Uh, Having done battle with Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch last year yourself, who would you like to see Charlotte Flair step in the ring with this year?
3: I mean, it's starting to sound like now that I'm having like a girl crush or something, I swear it's nothing like that. But I really (laughs) hope that Charlotte picks Rhea Ripley. I really do. You know, I mean, Charlotte and Becky have great matches but they've had so many of them. I feel like it's like it's time to get some like new girls in the circulation. And I think that, you know, just like Charlotte and Rhea, just, you know, even just body types in general and the athleticism and everything like that. I mean, there's such a unique matchup that I think that they could put on definitely a WrestleMania level of show. And I really think that, you know, it's been NXT's year and I think it's their time to be the the first time that they're they're picked by a Royal number winner to face in
1: media i don't disagree with you in any way shape or form i think that's a fantastic idea ronda i mean you were only in wwe for for a little over a year from you know from the first time we saw you to the last obviously that is an experience that as we all know until you're in this world you can't truly appreciate uh what have you missed most since you've stepped away from the bright lights
3: Oh my God, I miss live shows so much. I really do. Like, I wish I could just show up randomly at live shows. I wish I was like, that would make sense. I know it doesn't really, but that's what I miss the most is like, cause I would never do hair or makeup on those days. We just hang out in the locker room until we had to go out there and do it. And um, I don't know. It's, I, I love like the the camaraderie and like the kind of like the laid back feeling of live show days. That, and then like jump in the car after we're going to the next town and, you know, inevitably not being able to find food and just eating beef jerky all night—I miss that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, listen—if you get the urge to just show up at a live event, I somehow think you've got enough cachet that nobody's going to stop you from showing up.
3: <laughs> you think so? I would love to. I just want to start crashing up and just feel like a little Easter egg surprise. You know, like they don't know if I'm going to show up or not. But
1: I think that'd be yeah, awesome. You can't can- actually—you can't actually schedule Ronda Rousey, but you might luck out and she may just show up and crash the show
3: what so I, I should. I should go pitch that. We'll see if they let me. <laughs> I think it's a great
1: idea. So, uh, h- how are you keeping yourself occupied with your your downtime?
3: Well, I got two kids, so that helps. Um, and shout out to Travis. I you know? tell him I miss him badly. <laughs> oh yeah. Travis Trav says hi, and he's busy being fantastic and amazing. And uh, you know, it seems like I have nothing to do, but all my time is more like filled up than ever before, which is. The best way to, to get busy is to make people think you have nothing else to do.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to tell everyone I'm not doing anything, keep myself occupied, because unfortunately I have many, many things to do. Uh, is there any such thing as downtime on a farm?
3: Uh, yeah, it really isn't that much like actual work. Like It really only takes like... If we only wanted to like feed them and make sure that they don't die, you know um it would only take like forty five minutes in the morning and that describes minutes that night. describes
1: my parenting style, which I don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> or a bad
3: thing, <laughs> yeah, like the very minimum they're not dead is like an hour and a half a day like forty five minutes in the morning and and at night, but you know we're we're trying to like learn as much as possible and like expand into doing even more like I would love to be able to like kind of you know, have my own kind of, like, Newman's own project, or, like, one of my dreams is to be able to, like, uh raise, like, a like a herd of Wagyu, and to, like, you know, have, like, really ethically raised Wagyu, because we just harvested our first year uh, last year, and we just got our second one, and it's just, I don't know, I just really love having that connection with where my food comes from, and um, I'm actually probably, after the phone call, going to go back and give Porter a little brush on the massage and make sure that his life is fantastic.
1: So that he becomes Porter's delicious, Wagyu. delicious, delicious Porter. <laughs>
3: I'm,
1: I'm <laughs> Porter, sorry, Porter. I'm, I'm, so I'm sure you're
3: happy. sweet, but. <laughs> I'm telling you all, like, uh, I've had like a, a grade like um, A5 Wagyu and usually they treat those animals like shit. They like hang, they like put them in a hammock, like veal, or they put them in like a small enclosure. Like only like lay down, and stand up. So at our place, we have two and a half acres that we let them roam around, and we like give them a lot of love and attention because we don't want them to like feel anxious when we're around. You know, we want them to always be relaxed. So um, they're used to being handled and brushed, and they have a lot of space. And you can just you can tell the difference between a happy animal and a miserable animal when you eat it. Well,
1: it sounds to me like your steer lives a better life than I do. So I am envious of oh, yeah. Porter. <laughs>
3: Uh his life is better than all of ours
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it sounds like life is going very well out there on browsey acres you're very very busy let me ask the burning question that is on the minds of all wwe fans when are we going to see ronda rousey back in wwe oh probably
3: whenever the hell i feel
1: like it (laughs) (laughs) whenever you whenever you get bored and show up at a live event
3: yeah I, mean, I really, yeah, I think I really, yeah, if they would let me just show the live events, probably very soon. Headline
1: um, news Ronda Rousey invades live event in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> I'm
3: coming to Kalamazoo. <laughs> get Walk All right. out, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: Ronda, before I let you go, I uh, have this game I play here on After the Bell. It's maybe the worst game in the history of entertainment, but I continue to do it. It's called The Electric Seat. And I am going to put one minute on a clock somewhere. It's not physically in front of me. It's up to my producers, so there might not even be a clock. Uh, But I'm going to ask you some questions, and you answer them as quickly and honestly as you possibly can. And if you win, I will make sure you have backstage passes to WWE live events for the rest of your life.
3: (laughs) All right. Okay, I'm ready.
1: (laughs) All right, one minute on the clock. Goku or Vegeta?
3: Vegeta, are you kidding
1: Who is the next big mixed martial arts star?
3: Edmund Shabazian. My fighter I manage. He's a gola boy. He's going to beat John Jones' record as the youngest UFC champion. Just watch.
1: Love it. Not counting Sonya Blade. Favorite Mortal Kombat character?
3: Ooh. God. I'm going to have to pass on that one.
1: Ooh, pass. I think that's the first pass ever on the electric seat. Chiefs or 49ers? (laughs)
3: I say Chiefs because my dad likes the Chargers. Then one of my, my first Super Bowl memories, the 49ers beating the Chargers. So I'm mad at them forever. Never let that Yeah. N-
1: never let that wound heal. The name of your favorite never. goat.
3: Oh, Coats. Coats McGoats.
1: Coats McGoats. Best World of Warcraft class.
3: Class? Ooh. You know what? I start with a hunter, but I'm kind of on the rogue lately. I, I kinda of like a rogue.
1: <laughs> Pizza or pasta. Uh, pizza And it's the electric seat and I think time is up but I need to know what your favorite electric type pokemon is.
3: Ooh. Favorite like to battle with or favorite just cuz I like it.
1: Because you like it.
3: I love really love Raikou but Zapdos is awesome. But there
1: we go. You Bolton's can pick both.
3: Is actually new and is great. You can I'm going to go with Raikou.
1: I'm not even going to force too. you. Uh, you can just you can <laughs> have all of the ones that you want. It's t- totally fine. <laughs> Thank you. I think you won, so I'm gonna I'm gonna send a text message or put in a call. So next time Ronda decides to show up at a WWE live event, uh, there won't be any issues with security.
3: Okay, good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I know you are uh, you're keeping yourself occupied with your YouTube channel. Where uh, where can the ATB listeners find that?
3: Uh, oh yeah, it's the uh, the Von der channel on YouTube, and yeah, we started it just a little bit of, like over a year ago, and we're at one 2 million hours watched, so um, now that I have a lot more free time at home, we can actually make it more of a priority instead of like a side project. So, yeah, check it out. We're gonna be doing a lot of stuff this year.
1: Oh, you just on the side messed around and happened to get 1.2 million hours of viewing. That sounds like a pretty good side yeah, project. We <laughs> have you on, you,
3: you let me know, on a goat walk with
1: me. you say when, and I'll come out and I can massage Porter.
3: Okay, cool. I'll
1: meet you backstage <laughs> on the next live show. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Rhonda, thank you for calling. In. I appreciate it. I will hopefully see you soon.
3: You better. You just promised
1: me, man. All right, cool. We'll make it happen. <laughs> All
3: right. All right. Bye. See ya.
1: <laughs> My next guest made an impact at the Royal Rumble, but perhaps not in the manner you would have most expected or as the gender you would normally expect. <laughs> Santino Morella, how are you, sir?
4: Very good, thank you. Yeah, quite an interesting uh, weekend, to say the least.
1: Yeah, I'll say that was uh, quite a shocking moment to see Santina make her entrance to the Women's Royal Rumble. Probably not the result she had hoped for, but uh, walk me through your day. How did Santina come to be in the Women's Royal Rumble match?
4: Well, I guess, so I was just actually talking about my parents right now. I was talking about my next surgery was 2014. You know, and then basically, I haven't been in the WWE ring in a match since 2014. That's six years, and it was crazy. But since my surgery, you know, slowly, I mean, I coach kids judo and I fight some of the kids, and so sometimes I take bumps and and I've had little matches here and there. And all of a sudden, I, I I can I can have a match or two. I can't go on the road full time, but I can definitely get eliminated from a battle royal. So I just put my name in the hat and you know, drum roll as Santina. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> um, I was like, all right, you know what, let's let's make a moment and we'll have fun with it. But the the thing is, I got sick like a, two days before I started feeling it coming on. And the day before, I had like a 15-hour day, I was coaching a judo tournament and then we came back and we had one of our shows at, at Battle Arts, whatever, it's called the Battle Rumble, you know, uh, a tribute to the Royal Rumble. And went home four hours sleep. So when I got up to come to Houston, cause I flew in the Sunday, I was not feeling well at all. And, uh, I just had to gut it out. So seeing all your friends and everything, definitely, you know, picks up your spirits and it was just a, it was a rough day, but when you go through that curtain, you are oblivious to anything that is wrong with you. It's that audience just completely electrifies you and saturates you with all this energy. And it's incredible. But, uh, man, it was a tough day. Well,
1: I know I bumped into you in the elevator after the event itself, and you told me uh, that was the longest you'd ever had to sit in a makeup chair.
4: Oh, my God. It was an hour and a half. Two-thirds of that, no, three-quarters of that was, like, just my eyes. And, uh, you know, major props to all those ladies out there that, that really get dolled up. That is a major commitment of time.
1: Well, you looked wonderful, darling. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> Uh, so you mentioned uh, coaching jujitsu jitsu and, and your wrestling school. Um, tell me a little bit more about that.
4: Yeah, so we opened in 2013, uh, Battle Arts Academy, and, and my roster is stacked. i got seven guys right now that could easily, uh, seamlessly transition to NXT and, and totally belong to be there. I do have one official guy signed. Um, he's in NXT right now, uh, Alexander y- Yacek. And uh, a few other guys are looking to get signed this year potentially to NXT UK. And it's just a, it's a fun program being a, being a pro wrestling coach as well.
1: We'll keep the well stocked for us. So there's never, uh, never too much talent to be had. They keep churning it out for us. There's a lot we could delve into right now. Unfortunately, running a little low on time. Where can, uh, the WWE universe or after the bell listeners, check out your battle arts Academy.
4: Yeah. Battle arts Academy, uh, .ca is the website, but on on social media, I think it's Battle Arts MMA on Twitter, Battle Arts BAA on Instagram. I, you can, I mean, I, I'm, at, I'm at Milan Miracle on Twitter. We got crime time coming February 15th if you're in the area.
1: There you Before go. Shad and JTG.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to call in. I'm glad you're staying busy. And uh, here's to hoping we will see you or Santina in the very near future.
4: <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully it's me. Yeah, man. All right. I'll talk to you soon take care thanks buddy
1: my next guest shocked the WWE universe on Sunday night the first of many times but the first time we have seen him in the WWE ring in way too long he is MVP Montel Vontavius Porter MVP welcome back man.
0: It's good to be back, man, it's good to be back. And it's been, I believe, a decade since I left, since I was last in a WWE ring. So it's uh, been pretty thrilling, it's been uh, a little emotional. It's been a lot of things, Uh, just a maelstrom of emotions.
1: Well, in this decade that you've been away from WWE, obviously you've kept yourself busy. I, I follow you on social media. I know you're doing your thing all over the globe. How did the opportunity to come back to WWE arise?
0: It arose uh, from a conversation with Paul Heyman, as a matter of fact. My son is five years old now, and he's become a massive wrestling fan. And then, and, and, as he calls it, WW Wrestling. Daddy, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, 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 first, it was Daddy Fight. Oh, this is Daddy Fight. And then Daddy Fight became WW Wrestling. And I looked at him, and I'm like, hey, man, who, where, where are you getting this from? Where are you learning this? Uh, but he's got, you know, WWE rings and action figures. And so uh, with the Rumble, being in Houston, where I reside, I'm from Miami. Miami's always home, but I, I live in Houston. Uh, I thought, what a great opportunity to give my son the memory of a lifetime. And uh, talking with Paul Heyman, we, uh, it all came together.
1: Very, very cool. Walk me through your day. I mean, I, we talked before you got on the on the recorded line here. I saw you from afar very briefly. Uh, for about 0. 0.4 seconds, and you were whisked away backstage. Uh, what was it like being back in this world?
0: Uh, man, it was, it, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, there was some excitement, uh, seeing lots of old faces and, and seeing some new faces, but, you know, being a surprise for the Royal Rumble is, is uh, <laughs> there's a lot that goes with it. As you said, I was, you know, the, secreted into the building and then whisked away and, kept a relatively, uh, I guess like a uh, low
2: profile low profile all day. Sure.
0: Yeah. You know, and, uh, and then just preparing for that, you know, that, that entrance when you're, when your number's up and the buzzer sounds and then there's, you know, the countdown and I've been in a number of Royal Rumbles. So I, I know the nervous energy that comes with it, but this one was special because like I said, this one was for my son and knowing that he was out there and, caught up in, in all the energy and, and, and chaos that goes along with one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. It was exhilarating.
1: So what's going through your mind, a veteran? You've been in this position before. As you mentioned, it's got a different meaning this year with your son being present. What is exactly going through your mind when your music hits and, and you're standing in front of 42,000 people?
0: Uh, wow. You know, it, it, again, it's I've been so fortunate to have had a long career and to have been around the world and to have you know walked through the curtain so many times in so many places, but when it's the WWE, it, it's you know the, you're the top of the pops, and
2: the Royal Rumble
0: specifically is just you know a historic, a legendary pay per view, and if you win, you have the opportunity to face who you want at WrestleMania. So the gravity of every entrance. And, and and the possibilities that come with it. So in my mind it's it's just to succeed at the highest possible level and to not put any limitations on, on my expectations or my ability. You know, that's kinda how I went through my whole career. Every time I walk through the curtain, I believe in me, I believe in myself, and I know that the people that are watching uh wanna see the best version of me and I to do my best to never disappoint.
1: Well, you weren't done after the Royal Rumble. The next night on Monday Night Raw, you uh, did battle with another familiar face to all of the WWE universe, Rey Mysterio. Now, this is a totally different animal from being part of a 30-man Royal Rumble match to going one-on-one with one of the greatest of all time. How did Monday differ from Sunday?
0: As you said, going one-on-one with one of the greatest legends of all time, period, bar none. Uh, an individual who I've faced a number of times, no matter, you know, I've kept busy. I I, I, I stay active in, in competitive Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, I, I, I wrestle on the international circuit. But no matter what, going from that and stepping onto the stage of Monday Night Raw, live television, no safety net, against one of the greatest to ever do it, uh, I don't think there are really words that exist in anyone's vocabulary to properly capture what that feels like. Um, but I'll just say, in a word, exhilarating.
1: Well, it was definitely another pleasant surprise on Monday night. So let's try our best to step outside of Sunday and Monday. As you said at the top of the interview, you did all of this for your son. What was his reaction like? What kind of conversations have you guys had now that he's been able to experience daddy fight, doing it proper in the WWE? Well,
0: he was overwhelmed by the Rumble. Um, his mother took lots of video and uh, afterwards, he was able to meet his favorite wrestler, Rey Mysterio. Oh,
1: so that's that's doubling up. So not only did he get to meet him, you, Daddy got to wrestle him the next night. That's tremendous.
0: The next night, yeah, the next night. You know, so it was uh, as you said, doubled up again. I was very fortunate that uh, you know his mother and uh, his sister took footage of him watching me face Rey on Monday Night Raw, and footage of him as I came out in the Rumble. So this uh, this weekend has just been overwhelming for him, and uh, his mom sent me a few messages letting me know that he's ready for another another uh, WWE show, as he calls it, WWE wrestling. He can't wait to uh, to to get back and, and feel the energy that that comes with uh, a WWE production. So he's, he's he's thrilled.
1: What's on the horizon for MVP?
0: Uh, you know, I'm at that point in my career, 46, and I've always said that. My intentions were to retire around 45. I can still go. I'm still in great shape. Uh, I still wrestle just about every weekend. But I know it's the clock is ticking. And I, I, so retirement is looming. And uh, after such an exhilarating and amazing weekend at WWE, uh, I still feel that I have a lot to offer. However, I'm at a point in my career where I think I'm ready to... Uh, start offering my talents behind the scenes uh, or or in another capacity. So um, in the very near future, very near future, I I, I see myself hanging up the boots and moving from in-ring competitor to uh, behind-the-scenes producer, if you will. This is what I'm looking at, And, and I think that's the way to go for me.
1: Very very cool man well I, I respect everything you've done and what you'll continue to accomplish. uh thank you for the weekend. Some awesome memories very exciting to be a part of uh I'm looking forward to running into m v p and let's catch up properly down the road, man.
0: I look forward to it, man. I will see you down the road. You've been doing a great job, and uh you know, I don't know if everybody uh well, I would imagine they don't know, but I do recall many years ago standing uh ringside with you having a chat about uh what it takes to uh to 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 get hired by wwe and uh you managed to find your find your groove find your niche and you've been doing a spectacular job so from then till now i want to take my hat off and salute you sir
1: oh my much appreciated man i appreciate it from the bottom of my heart i will talk to you very soon man i promise
0: be well take care
1: here's a disclaimer The words that are about to spill from my mouth should not be taken out of context, although I'm sure they will be. I'm sure they'll be woven into some sexy headline that makes me a bad guy, and guess what? I guess that's what I signed up for. However, this past Sunday in Houston, inside Minute Maid Park, I was sitting ringside for the Raw Women's Championship match between Becky Lynch and Asuka. I have nothing negative to say about the match. It was a great match. Both women worked their asses off and created a truly memorable moment. It all came full circle. Long-term storytelling, the man finally conquered the one rival she hadn't been able to in the past. No complaints whatsoever. My observation is that once Becky Lynch's entrance music started to fade, so did the vocal crowd support. Not across the board. Becky definitely had legions of, of fans that were there to support the man but it's not what it once was. And I'm just playing devil's advocate. It is my concern or just my observation that maybe the WWE universe is beginning to tire of the man. I'm not saying I am, but this is historically a common occurrence in WWE. When someone reaches megastar status as Becky Lynch has over the past year plus people tire of them. Look no further than John Cena, than Roman Reigns. More recently, Ronda Rousey, who was beloved when she arrived in WWE, but by the time WrestleMania came around, even before that, WWE Universe was tired of the baddest woman on the planet. And this other guy, it draws a pretty clear parallel to uh, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, last year, WrestleMania, no one could wait for him to beat Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins beats Brock Lesnar, becomes the guy, and everyone goes, yeah, what else she got? This isn't Becky's fault. It's not even anyone's fault. It's just kind of an occurrence. It's a cyclical business. Maybe it's just time for an evolution, another step, another layer to the man. If anyone can give it to us, I'm sure it's Becky Lynch. But as of this past weekend, Becky Lynch is no longer the underdog. Before she became the man, everything that really propelled Becky to superstardom was she... Wasn't getting her just due. She had passion and heart and talent, but was never really able to take that next step. She has created her own path. There is no denying that Becky Lynch is still a megastar. I'm just wondering if we are beginning to see the rumblings of a bigger movement. I don't have an answer for you. Just my observation. It has been a wild week for all things WWE. But let's not forget that there is a world that exists outside of the WWE universe, and we were all reminded of that a little too clearly this past Sunday prior to the Royal Rumble event with the untimely, incredibly tragic passing of Kobe Bryant. Uh, Few things supersede sports or entertainment, uh, but this is certainly one of them. We had conversations all day. There was nobody in Minute Maid Park that did not have an opinion or a thought or was touched in some way by the passing of one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Uh, and we, we were all kind of just trying to make sense of it. It seemed surreal. I listened to Pat McAfee say it on his show, and I think surreal was the best sort of way to describe it. And we were trying to draw comparisons. Uh, Big E said it was kind of like when Michael Jackson passed away. But Michael's star had kind of begun to fade by that point. Uh, a f- producer friend of mine said it may be like Princess Diana. And that was a little bit before my time. I mean, I remember when it happened, but I don't remember the magnitude. Uh, But it was very, very heavy. And it was very interesting from a human psychology standpoint to notice how everybody who was completely jacked up and stoked about the Royal Rumble for a good chunk of the afternoon uh, felt kind of like there was a shadow cast over everything. It was a really uh, kind of universal depression for the moment. Um, which makes me appreciate how lucky we are to have entertainment and WWE on the back end to kind of kick out of that funk. But all of the positive that's coming out of this, everyone seems to realize, uh, tell someone that you love them. Tell someone close to you what they mean to you. It's, life is way too short to uh, hold on to anger because who knows when you run out of time. This leads me to my zen for the week, even though I sort of already stepped on it. I'm not entirely sure where the quote came from, but the trouble is, you think you have time. Truer words have never been spoken, even from me. That's some zen for you. I'm full of it. I want to send a special thanks to Ronda Rousey, Matt Camp from The Bump, MVP, and Santino for joining me and hanging out on this very, very busy show. Make sure you follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, hashtag After the Bell. Android users, follow ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast app you choose to use so that you never, ever miss an episode. Subscribe to After the Bell. Give me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. And if you want, should you feel so compelled, follow me at WWE Graves. I'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE After the Bell.
0: This has been an original WWE podcast.
3: G3 assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future. Helping those who qualify, pay for school, and train for the right career. Right
2: where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3.